The galactic underworld trembles with rumors of an Imperial crackdown. Imperial Inquisitors, once only rumored, have been on the hunt. Stormtroopers make arrest on petty warrants. No one is safe, including Castian Saya. The former Inquisitor is on the run, with allies few and far between. Forgotten by the Jedi and hunted by High Inquisitor Tremaine, Castian must rely on his wits and the mysterious Force to keep himself and his small crew safe. Sirens break out through Ord Montel City as a fire rages in one of the tall buildings, smoke billowing in the air. People in the streets, aliens of all kinds, stop what they're doing. There's marketplace interactions that halt, business interactions that stop, children playing in the street all stop to look around and try to figure out where is the danger coming from. The danger, at least most immediate, isn't the fire, it is the hook that is running through the streets, carrying its massive bulk as quickly as it can, huffing and huffing, trying to get away from an unseen attacker. It already has a gash on its right arm from where it's been injured. Keeps looking behind him as if he's seen a ghost. About 20, 30 meters behind him is a ragged looking man who looks like he's probably inhaled too much smoke for his liking. His hair is pulled back into a messy ponytail, his jacket bellowing behind him as he spins around trying to see where his prey has gone. Finally spotting the Hulk, the man turns and starts booking it towards him before tapping at his ear. Laris! He made it out! He made it out! Get out of my way! He's booking it down! Oh god, what? Uh-oh. Sector 487! Where is this going? The street continues straight ahead before it dead ends in 15 meters. There will be alleyways both to the right and left at that T-junction. Oh, oh, I doubt he can fit through both the alleyways! As Castian continues to push people out of the way who stumble in his wake, uh, he's catching up to the man, but the man has a decent head start. He's going to try to cut him off before he makes it to those alleyways. This Hook Agamor Nar is an adversary, so any attacks against him, you must upgrade one to a red die. Me just trying to catch him, does that... Oh, so you're just trying to like put on an additional burst of speed? Mm-hmm. Nope, that's fine. That's going to be a average difficulty, so just two purple. <laughs> no successes, no failures, just nothing. It's straight down the board and nothing, unless I wanted to use a dark side point, which at this point I don't. I'm going to try to get to him, but people just keep on stumbling my way since this is a kind of a busy marketplace, and I don't have the bulk that this gentleman does. Laris's voice is in your ear. Sir, would you like me to activate the backup protocol? Yes, activate all the backup protocols! Laris has several backup protocols prepared. You're not sure, you told her to activate all of them. You know some of them are not actually applicable in an urban environment. Yes. But you hear a familiar series of beeps and bloops from down one of the alleyways. Into the fray rolls R3B1, just ahead of Agamor Nar. Bone is not equipped for combat, of course, but he is equipped with a fire suppression foam spray, which when he rolls out into this alley, he releases into the air, spinning around, creating a cloud that is going to disorient Agamar Nar. Good one! And my character is going to try to jump on the back of Agamar Nar, now that the thing's disoriented and probably slowed down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
So my character is going to try to tackle them. All right. This is going to be a... <laughs> a smart idea. <laughs> this is going to be a brawl check. This is going to be too difficulty, but of course this is still an adversary, so you need to upgrade one of those. Excellent. I got four successes. Excellent. One despair. Oh, not so great. And one threat. So you make the leap onto the hook's back. And hooks are kind of bulbous creatures. They've got lots of kind of bony ridges, especially around the the head. So there's plenty of places for you to grab onto. But with the sudden weight on its back and the foam everywhere, Nar is completely off balance and tries to overcompensate too much and, in fact, ends up falling backwards onto his back. Oh! Which you are now pinned under. Get off me, you damn daddy hunk! <laughs> Do I take any strain from that? Yes, take one strain. Cool. <laughs> so he lands on top of me, Castian's losing his breath as well as feeling his body kind of crunch a little bit into the stone of the street under him. Bone is going to roll back in, and Bone does have one way to try to protect itself. He does have a shock mechanism built in. Bone is going to attempt to shock Agamar Nar. And Bone is successful. Amazingly, Bone has one threat, but two successes. So Bone is going to roll up to Agamar Nar, and with a spanner that's going to stick out of his chassis, it's going to poke the hook in the side and activate the shock to the system. And Agamar Nar is going to take a couple points of strain. Good job. If you want that threat to be that you take a strain instead of I will. I do. I do. I think that's hilarious. Should we uh, roll initiative now? Yes. Everyone was prepared for this, so roll cool. Uh, Two successes and one advantage. Bone goes first. Actually, I will say a PC slot goes first. Would you like it to be Bone or would you like it to be you? Oh, let Bone go first. By all means. (laughs) Okay, Bone is going to, the, the shock to the system seemed to work last time, relatively speaking. <laughs> Ooh, not so much this time. Bone actually just shocks himself. Nar is going to go next. Nar is going to use his maneuver to stand up and is then going to use his action to attempt to beat you. That makes sense. And because Nar does not actually have Brawl as a skill, I am going to spend a destiny point. So that I can upgrade one of his dice. Perfect. I have one defense. All right. Take three strain damage, Castian, as Nar picks you up by the the lapels of your jacket and slams you into the side of a building. Cool. I soak that, I believe. I have four soak. Then you do. He slams me against the side of a building, holding me there, and Castian's going to do the classic, just kick him between the legs. Let's hope Hulk physiology is amenable to that. Uh, two successes, two threats. So you clock him good between the legs, or so you think, but Nar just goes... <laughs> Puny human. Oh, God, this is going to hurt. Or will it? Bone is going to roll in. Let's try this one more time, little Bone. He does! (laughs) Bone delivers another quick shock to the system. It is going to put you at a disadvantage. You're going to have a setback die to your next roll due to the threats that Bone rolled. Nar is going to take out his anger on this R3 unit. Oh, and a giant, meaty, bony hand comes down on the top of R3's chassis, leaving a bit of a dent in the R3 unit's head, for lack of a better word. (laughs) 
no! But Castian screams as he's getting kind of choked out still, as he's also being held against the wall. He hasn't been able to free himself. He's very expensive to, to repair! And Castian's going to pull out his blaster from his holster and just fire point-blank rage into the uh, Hulk on the stun setting. He needs to bring this guy in alive. Two successes, one triumph, and three threats. Does critical hit activate anything interesting? No, I just have it on stun setting on him, so. All right, but that is still capable of delivering a critical injury if you would like, yeah. or? No, Castian right now, uh, he's going to try to critically injure him then. Uh, he's just trying to do as much damage to put this guy under. Uh, his strain would be six. All right, so he's only going to take one point of damage from that. But uh, will you roll me a D100, please? 100. So while you did use the stun setting, you have still managed to cripple his arm. <laughs> okay, cool. It can be repaired, yeah. but it, the, for the rest of, of this fight, uh, we're going to say that it was, I said the right arm already mm. had a burn on it, mm. so his right arm, his dominant arm is going to be out of commission, so all of his attacks are going to be offhand. And we are back to the top of the round. I'm going to say that Bone is a little disoriented from getting clocked as he was, so it's going to be Nar's turn, and now that you've heard him, Nar's back on you. Mm. And seeing that you seem to be something of a, a tough human yourself, since you shook off being slammed against the wall by a Hulk, he's going to take out his own uh, blaster. So you will be released from being pinned against the wall. He's more concerned with frying you than choking you out. Okay. So he's dropped you from the wall, and he's fumbling a little bit because he has to use his left hand to draw out his blaster. <clears throat> so he is not going to attack, giving you the chance to attack. Okay, Castian's going to target something. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can aim as a maneuver. Because right now, what I'm thinking, a lot of his soap dies because of his leather, right? His leather skin and yes. stuff like that. So uh, Castian's waiting for him to open his mouth to growl or threaten or something, and he's just taking a shot of trying to shoot him in the mouth. He has to bring him in alive. He doesn't need to bring him in That's functionally alive. totally correct. So give yourself a blue boost die because you are taking a maneuver to aim. Mm -hmm. uh, one success. Just straight up one success. And that is added to how much damage from your... Uh, seven. Nar pulls out this blaster, and you see that now that it is not merely a blaster pistol. This is a heavy blaster rifle. This is something that would probably leave a smoking hole in your chest should he get off this shot. The hook snarls. What's your name, Hunter? And that's when I fire the blaster <sighs> stun shot going into his mouth. Uh, the Hulk stumbles back once, grabbing his throat before he drops to the ground, completely unconscious. And Castian slowly stands up, drops his gun into his holster and says, He wouldn't like it. It's a mouthful. Laris, we got him. I don't know how functional he'll be, but we got him. Understood, sir. And Castian stands up, uh, spotting a few Black Sun Guard walking towards them. And he reaches in, pulls out a small license and says, Jove Baron, from the Bounty Hunters Guild. This quarry's mine. We cut to a shot in space of a small ship. What does this ship look like? The scene shows a massive ship, probably manned by several different crews, definitely controlled by a very powerful man, a pirate of some sort. It has guns, it has turrets, it has everything. And then the camera just keeps on moving to the right until it lands to the ship on the docking pad near that, which is an old rusted 
egg-like vessel. It's actually uh, known as a Barlos-class medium freighter. This was the line that came before the YT, uh, the Millennium Falcon line. So it, it's it's a bit old. It, it's definitely a, a fixer-upper. Right now, it is attached to the spaceport over Ord Mantel, getting its usual plethora of repairs done by the droids there. We bought this at a discount rate, and now we know why it's discounted, because it breaks down a lot. And we see Castian, or Jove Baron, escorting a bound and gagged Agamar Nar to the ship. And standing at the top of the gangplank is Laris. Welcome back to the Howling Gundark, sir. Thank you. It's not so much howling anymore. It's keep moving. I push the... He's walking. The the Hulk is walking, but he's not all there right now. His brain's a little fried. Keep moving. It's not so much howling as it is whimpering. Is the repairs almost done? Yes, sir. Delightful. Come on. Let's get him to the security hold, I say as I push them through uh, towards one of the rooms we've converted into a security cell. It's not very well done. There's like generators surrounding it to keep uh, it electrocuted and stuff. And my character deactivates the generators, pushes this Hulk in and then slams the door shut. That'll keep him down for a little while. Have you anything from my info chant? Mizudoran is waiting for our report on capturing the Hulk. Send the message and tell them that we brought the Hulk in alive and we expect our payment to reflect that. It'll take us a day or two to get to Devoran, but we should be there uh, post haste. Yes, sir. Excellent. Is the primary hyperdrive up and running? Yes, sir. Oh, thank the makers. My luck is finally changing. Bone! Bone, get in here! Bone rolls up behind me. My character kneels down in front of him, looking at the injury he sustained. It's mostly cosmetic. We should be able to buff that out. You'll be fine. Come along, Bone. I'm going to try to fix you before we make landing. Let's get out of this damn planet. Black sun's everywhere. Of course, sir. Thank you. I'll be in my... Quarters, I say with air quotes as I move towards a small, small bunk. It's actually built for two people. It's for passengers, uh, so it's a bunk bed. But the top of the bunk, uh, the top bunk is filled with just boxes of items that my character has collected, and the bottom is mine. And there's like a small makeshift work area where I can work on bone and other puzzles that I picked up. So I toss my pack, just take off my blast-ridden uh, jacket, toss it to the side, and sit down, and I pull out a spanner. Let's look at this bone. You took quite a wallop from that thing. You got too close. Will we talk about you getting close? We swipe to a shot above Deveron, the heavily forested Outer Rim planet, home to the Deveronians, and also home to many smugglers, at least for a day or two before they head out for their next mission. The Howling Gundark lands at a small spaceport and some backwater town in the middle of nowhere on on Deveron. As you land at the spaceport, you know that you are to be making the handoff for this prisoner to whoever it was that placed the bounty. Akira Udorin, your info chant, is going to be there to vouch that, yes, these are the correct people, because, of course, we all know of cases where the wrong person shows up hoping to get away with uh, a highly sought-after bounty, maybe, on the cheap. So as the door to the Howling Gundark opens, you see Akir Udorin standing near the where the gangplank is going to end. Akir Udorin is a Bothan woman. She's short, like all Bothans are. She's also very twitchy. 
she has some kind of nerve damage that means that her, her head often twitches to the right a little bit. Her nose is constantly twitching, as well as uh, she has on her right side a mechanical arm that's too long for her. It looks like it's sized for, you know, a six foot tall or taller human. So it makes her look very lopsided along with all this twitchiness. And standing next to her are two heavily scarred, snarling Twi'leks. One is a, a pasty white cream color. Another is a dusky blue. Both of them are, are heavily muscled men and, as I said, uh, very scarred. Castian pushes the Hulk straight forward. I, how damaged is the Hulk? Does, does he seem? Is he is he back to his normal state or is, is he still kind of comatose a little bit? Well, uh, did you give him any medical treatment? No. Not really. He got stunned in the mouth, so I, I have not. I have nothing really to fix that. Okay, no, that's that's fair. So the 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 wound to his mouth cleared up over the day and a half it took, but because you did deliver a critical injury, his right his right arm is uh, currently useless. Uh, yeah, I, I have him bound uh, with binders, and I'm pushing him forward. Bone is behind him, occasionally delivering a shock to his butt if he kind of halts or anything like that. But Castian has this guy nice and tied up for these folks, except for the feet where he's making him walk slowly. Mm -hmm. uh, Castian, his guns out, and he holds up a hand towards uh, the Bothan. By Jove, you got him! Yes, I got him. It wasn't that difficult. I lie a little bit. I push him forward. These are the payers? Yes, yes, yes. We just need to. And Akir pulls out a data pad. We, of course, just to make sure everything's on the up and up, she says, acknowledging her two Twi'lek customers. Just going to confirm his identity. Correct, correct, correct. Yes. Get us over with, please. She takes the data pad behind. She completely disappears behind the, the hulking hulk. And uh, you can see that she presses the hoax hand against the data pad and you see very briefly a profile pops up you catch agamar nar pirate slaver and all kinds of of warrants that are out for his arrest as well as bounties on his head yes 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 it looks to be in order uh good sirs here you go best uh best one that's working for me put him on your case knew that he would deliver and alive and alive that's what you wanted Yes, a little worse for wear, but I take it that you don't mind. <laughs> Not at all. Good luck. I push him forward. They can keep the binders. I'm, you know, binder cost is part of the payment plan. Yeah, sure. So I push him forward and I let them take him. Excellent, excellent job, Jove. Akir says as the Twi'leks take their bounty away. Uh, glad to see you. Glad you, you did this in such a timely fashion. Uh, come back with me to the office. I've got a... Uh, Got something I want to discuss. All right, not a problem. But not here. Yes, let me tell Jane that uh, we'll. I'll be a little bit late. All right, Jane. I'm actually not using my communicator. I'm just calling Jane over my shoulder towards the ramp. And uh, Laris appears at the top of the ramp. Uh, Jane, I'm going to be uh, speaking with uh, Akira for a little while. Please keep dinner warm for me. Yes, sir. Yes. Laris paused for a moment. She's gotten much better in the past year at, at lying and interpreting lies and even lying herself. But every once in a while, especially the really benign ones, where she's not quite sure why we are lying here. Those ones can trip her up, but she catches on eventually. 
And for Laris, uh, we, we both look different from a year ago. I threw away my black Nabooan silk pants and shirt, and I replaced it more with an Under Armour that I wear uh, a jacket over, a brown, probably a Nerf hide jacket that smells always slightly of kind of like an old clothing shop. My hair is still kind of shaved on the sides, but I pulled it back into a ponytail, and I have a, a nice five o'clock shadow that looks overly trim to be accidental. And Laris, uh, what does she look like? I know we've made a lot of uh, headway to try to keep her cybernetics hidden. She wears a lot of scarves over her head, a lot of hoods, anything to kind of keep her away from people seeing those ad- advanced cybernetics. Not that anybody would look at those and say, like, oh, those are clearly imperial, because other people do have those cybernetics, but it is a a way to find Laris a little easier. Well, and as you noted, you can grow your hair. You can do things to style yourself differently. When you do not have hair, as is the case with Laris, it's much, that, that's just one more avenue of disguise that is not available to her. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's, she often has the scarves that she wears over her head. And while her clothing style still veers a little more military than you might like, she doesn't. You know, she's. She likes to wear things that are eminently practical, and closely tailored, sharp clothes are always practical. But at least it's not imperial black any longer. Of course, of course, we've mix matched it, and occasionally when she does come out with me, I make her wear a heavy coat that looks that she hates. But at least it kind of hides her robotic and calculated emotions a little bit more. So I turn towards her, give her a salute, and then I'm walking with Bone behind Akir. Akir leads you to a small, cramped office space off of one of the many alleys that fill this small city that Akir has set up shop in. Akir's office, it's complete madness to everybody and anybody except Akir. This is why we don't bring Laris in here. Laris would start trying to file things. She's, she's done that before. Akir was not happy. Right, of course not. And Akira, she is a, you said an info? An info chant. She is an info chant. She gives out information and missions towards people who uh, aren't independent. She she works with the Bounty Hunter Guild. She's part of the Bounty Hunter Guild, but it's kind of like owning your own McDonald's. Yes, you, there's McDonald's telling you what to do, but you it's franchise. Yes. She's, she's part of the franchise, which is the Bounty Hunter Guild, but she owns her own kind of business within that. Or I kind of like to think of it as a multi-level marketing scheme. Exactly. You know, she now has her downstream distributors, which is you and several other bounty hunters. So she gets to work at a slightly higher level and not have to get her hands dirty any longer. That's very interesting. You know what? Would you like to be your own boss, Angela? Because <laughs> Castian has a deal for you. Oh, God, Castian part of He left one empire for another. <laughs> so Akir leads the way into her office. And it is, of course, a, a mess as usual, but she indicates that you uh, take a seat, take a seat. Yep, my Castian just does. There's a seat that's always, it's surrounded by files and data pads and stuff like that, but it's relatively clear and he just falls into it. <laughs> she ducks where you are about to put your feet and takes a, a box <laughs> and she squirrels it away somewhere else. All right, you seem a little bit more excited than usual. There's there's big happenings in the uh the inner rim, the core worlds, big news. You know, I don't do core worlds. I prefer the mid rim at the very most. But I need someone that has your particular knowledges. My knowledges, like what? 
I know you don't like to talk about your past, but we all can tell just by listening to you that you have some connections back there. And when there are sensitive dealings that are happening there, I need somebody that can fit in. What's the job? Alderaan. Alderaan? You expect me to go to Alderaan? I expect you to go there if you want to keep working for me. Alderaan is... Not only is it in the core, it is one of the core. It is one of the largest economic powers that rivals any other planet out there. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't actually sign up for school today. Alderaan, go on. We have uh, uh, somebody that wants somebody taken care of there, and due to goings-on that are happening, uh, security's really tight, so I need somebody that can go in and not be detected with all the heightened security. What about what about Maznak? Maznak, he's he's good. She, uh, or what about he has that that girl that's only following him around, the little rat thing. No, you didn't hear. Oh no. Mm. What got him? Rancor. Ugh. That's what he gets for taking jobs in hut space. All right, all right, all right, all right. What's the job pay? Good, real good. Good or real good? Real good. She hands you a data pad. I uh, look at the data pad. The only thing the camera shows is my eyebrows raising a little bit. Uh, we don't want to get into like the technical things, but it would be enough to cover the vast expenses that the Howling Gundark picks up on on every trip. It could probably actually fix some of our problems permanently, uh, not just those temporary fixes such as duct tape. Huh. Wanted to make sure that this uh, sort of job went to someone that I liked, and by Jove, I like you. <laughs> All right. Who's the guy I need to kill? Uh, word has it that he's a uh, gun and spice smuggler, and someone doesn't like it that he's ruining the name of the great houses of Alderaan. Spice smuggler, yes. Yes, that falls in line with me. I can do that. Supposed to be some, some nasty stuff. He uh, cheaps out, cuts it with rat poison, that sort of stuff. No further. Yes. I can do that, scoundrel. That's that's not that bad. Is he of anybody of great importance? If Is he a small-town drug runner? What is he? Well, uh, I'm not the Alderaan expert here, but he's uh, supposed to have some ties to uh, their, their great houses. So he's nobility? Technically, but uh, I think it's some, uh, another one of their nobilities that's... Uh, Hiring you, because who else could afford to pay that sort of bounty? All right. Am I meeting with the contractor, or am I going straight to him to try to kill him? Probably want to meet up with the contact first. But that's where it gets tricky, because Alderaan's having a big shindig. What isn't it having a big shindig? That's the only thing Alderaan knows what to do. Well, this is a bigger shindig. They're apparently, they've got a new princess. A new princess. Well, she's the same princess, but now she's like a more special princess. Oh, that's just delightful. That's uh, what, what the galaxy needs, just another princess out there. So what does that mean for me? It means that there's a lot of people going to Alderaan, good for sneaking in, but it means that there's a lot of security, bad for sneaking in. Especially for a bounty hunter. Yep. But I happen to know that there is uh, some people that are looking to go to Alderaan, and they need some staff. Staff? It's, uh, there's some bureaucrat. It's her first time getting to go to one of these diplomatic shindigs, so she gets to hire her staff for the first time, and you want to work security, or you want to go in on your own? 
Because I've got, I've got faked landing credentials. You can go in on your own and sneak through the capital city all you want on your own. Or you can try to get in with this lady and walk right in the front door. Give me her information. And Akir hands over another data pad that gives you the name of Cerise Nabella. She is a minor government official uh, on Aldrig 4. She's a human, and it confirms what Akir said. This is her first diplomatic assignment and gives you a little bit more information as well about what this assignment is. It is to attend the Day of Investiture for Alderaan's Princess Leia Organa. That could work. Yes, that's better to go in the front door. Probably can get everybody in, Laris, myself, Bone... Just will at least get us on the planet so we can meet with the contact and find out how he wants this done. I see that his details are surprisingly vague. Really? Is that surprising? When someone's going to pay you that much money, you don't ask too many questions. Fine. We'll meet with the contact, see what he wishes me to do to this. No further. He, uh, he actually included in his notes that he'll find you. Where will he find me at? That's up to his prerogative. Stay close to this Nabella. And uh, he should be able to find you. Delightful. Delightful. Just give him the information. Tell him that I will be getting in via the officials so he'll know what to look for. Of course. I stand up. As always, delightful doing business. Yeah! With As you stood up, a couple papers started to fall and Akir rushes to grab them before I, they can hit the ground. I just step back and hold up my hands and uh, walk around her as she's trying to bring order back to this chaos. Yep. And I am heading back towards the ship. Cuts back to the ship as we are departing a Devoran. A Devoran? Devoran. And I'm leaning back into the co-pilot seat. Laris is to my right, uh, just tapping away, just getting ready for lunch. And uh, we get up to past the atmosphere where we're just going to hover for a little while as Laris is making preparations. We know, according to this data pad, uh, the the hiring age agency that this woman's using. We, you, we go in, we leave some uh, fake information about us, and we point that we know about Alderaan. Maybe I was raised on Alderaan. You know all the customs. That way, they'll, she'll hire us both in. That, that, that's probably the first thing she's going to be looking for, uh, for people who are going to this festival of whatever it is. Day of Investiture. The day of Investiture. And that's just a fancy party, isn't it? It's actually a multi-day festival. Okay, just write it all down. I'll read about it in my bunk. But I need fake information, fake IDs for the both of us. Uh, point to us both being Alderaan. You seem to know quite a bit about the day of a day of investiture. Day of investiture. So it's recognizing that the crown princess has achieved adulthood and is now eligible to actually inherit the crown. Adulthood. I look at the picture of Princess Leia. This is an adult. She is approximately sixteen years of age, according to the Alderaan calendar. Yeah, she has a lot of growing up to do, trust me. And I toss the data pad to the side. Get those fake files into the system at this agency that this woman's probably going to and wait for her to contact us. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll be in my bunk. And yeah, I'm just, I'm leaving this all to Laris. It's not the first time we've done this. We plant some fake uh, credentials and they come to us. Mm -hmm. What is the name that you're going to apply under? Gorian Tahul. And what will Laris be under? She will come up with a name. Jane. It will be a different last name, but Laris can only handle so many lies. Yes, true. So Aldrag 4 is a mid-rim planet. So it's so you, you are on the closer to the outer rim mm -hmm. on uh, Deveron. So it takes you another day to, to reach there, which, of course, is plenty of time for Laris to put together your fake credentials and get them into the 
temporary employment system that the bureaucrats on Aldrig 4 use. And by the time you actually arrive on Aldrig 4, the message has come in that Cerise Nabella would like to speak to both Gorian Telhul and Jane Lavmore. We'll confirm our meetings there at separate hours of the day, but they're the same day, but at separate hours, Mm -hmm. uh, different times. Uh, But yeah, we'll go in. Sure. Before you arrive, was there anything specific you wanted to know about either Cerise Nabella or from uh, Laris's information on the day of investiture? Yeah, I want to know all about this politician. What's what is her deal? And I also yeah, give me I don't want too much information. I'm sure Laris is going to give me a lot of information on the day of investitures, but I'm just going to skim it. I'm reading the back of the book, Angela, Mm -hmm. on what this thing is. So there's not very much information on Cerise Nabella because her career is so new. She's only a couple of years out of the Imperial Military Academy. And uh, she is gone into the kind of bureaucracy track, the officer track. So she's not a, a governor by any means, but she's a couple of rungs down within the overall government of Aldrig Four. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like within the Secretary of State's office. She's like an ambassador sort of position. Right. Uh, and so she's, of course, been invited to this Day of Investiture celebration. It is the largest social gathering of the year for the the sector that Alderaan is in. So it's very important that everybody show up and make a good impression. The Day of Investiture itself, it's a three-day festival. It actually, uh, the, the whole ceremony began several months before with mm-hmm. the start of this ceremony to declare a crown princess or the heir. And this, uh, this three-day celebration is going to begin with a highly formal ritual followed by a formal feast that is going to have some of the largest names in the galaxy. And in fact, there's even a guest list if you wish to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, skimming through it, because of course, it's a very long guest list. But included in there, you've got Pamlo of Terrace, Vaspar of the Taldit Sector, a large Galatean delegation, Andir Callan of Naboo, Mon Mothma of Chandrilla, and of course, Cerise Nabella. I, I recognize a few of the names. Mm-hmm. But as we land, I'm going to my bunk area and I'm grabbing the boxes on the top bunk and I'm starting to pull out various different costume bits. This is also our tailoring area. (laughs) And my character is trying to find something that looks clean and professional. And he finally finds something that will work as a planetary security force. Mm -hmm. For both you and Laris? Yeah, just it's kind of like a professional, it's a power suit. This woman's an imperial, but she's more of the planetary bureaucracy, not like going to Coruscant yeah, or anything Yeah, like I mean, you'd have to go up several rungs above her before you would get to somebody that would report back to Coruscant. Right. She's not high enough to have stormtroopers following not on this. Not at all. This is why she's going through the hiring agency mm-hmm. for bodyguards. Yes. Great. So yeah, I'll meet up with her. I, and I you will. also see when you see the actual job listing uh, that the pay scale is definitely at the low end. <laughs> so this... You know, planetary bureaucrat is definitely cheaping out on her security forces. When you land on Aldrig 4 in the capital city, of course, because she works for the government, so where else would she be? The capital building is large, imposing, gleaming white marble under the bright sun. It's a lush world of forests and jungle. Very happy people, it seems. There's no great hardships on this planet. So it's also, it's a pretty cushy gig probably for somebody to land. You're not going to have to deal with a lot of upset people, probably not fomenting much rebellion because there's no reason for them to be unhappy. Yeah. What we're doing is we're docking with the space station up 
over this planet and then taking a shuttle down just to kind of hide ourselves just a little bit more. Even though we do have fake credentials for the Howling Gundark, it's called the Whimpering Mule. So your shuttle lands down below in the capital city and you and Laris uh, or Jane approach this sprawling, beautiful building And then you take a second look at the address that you have and realize that you're not going into the big, beautiful structure. You're going into this squat brick building off to the right. Oh, goody. She's very important, I can tell. And we're moving towards the squat brick building. And inside, you give your name and a secretary takes you to a a waiting area outside of an office. It looks like it's a communal waiting area. There are several office doors that you can see. And so she's definitely not important enough to have her own waiting area. Mm -hmm. And after you and Laris are left waiting for five, ten minutes, finally, a human woman finally pops out of, of one of the doors. She is darker skinned. She has her hair pulled back in a, a severe hairstyle. You can just see her kind of poking her head out as she calls out, uh, Gorian? And my character stands up, moves towards her, and offers her a very formal bow, just from the chest down. Uh, oh, oh, she'd been looking at a data pad and is startled to see you there and bowing in front of her. Um, uh, yes, please, please come in, come in. And I follow her in. And now that you are in her office, it reminds you in many ways of Akir's office, as it is overstuffed. It is quite small. There is a, a very small window, but it's like only half of a window and it's up near the ceiling. Kind of reminds you of a closet. Mm-hmm. Like this may have once been a closet and it was retrofitted to become a very small office for a not very important government figure. I moved my seat and I wait for her to sit down first, showing that I have Alderanian manners in me and I follow suit after she's taken a seat. All right. Uh, so you have uh, been working in personal security for uh, uh, seven- the Thules. Yes, the Thules of Alderaan. The Thules, the Thules, the Thules, the Thules. Yes, the the one of the the noble houses or the great houses of their nobility. There's twenty two of them, and Thule is absolutely one of them. And I knew that. So, and you've been working for them for seven years now. Uh, it was uh, five years. Uh, two years ago, I left their service. And uh, why, may I ask, was that? I, if they're the, the great house of Thule. I took some shrapnel during a accident, and it limited my mobility during that time. It was two years of recovery. The doctor notes that I've been attached to my files show that I'm fully functional. The Thules require the best, and they had no time to wait for my full recovery. And uh, it wouldn't be a problem if you ran into any of them when we were at the day of investiture, would it? The Thules are delightful, but I assure you, they cannot pick out anyone that serves them. They are, we are beneath them. And that is perfectly fine for me, and so I assure you, they will not even blink if I am to meet them. All right, all right. Um, And so you have uh, uh, no problem uh, performing basic uh, bodyguard duties. I, I can't imagine there's actually going to be any problem. It's Alderaan, right? Of course, of course. Uh, this is really just a kind of a almost ceremonial. Just I need to uh, show that I am the sort of person that has bodyguards and an entourage. So you are just there for show. There should not be any problems. Are you okay with not having any adventure? <laughs> I am not looking for adventure. If I was, I wouldn't be looking for contract work on Alderaan. And let me do say congratulations for having this opportunity uh, to be there during the first ceremony for Princess Leia's 
rise to adulthood is simply a sign that you are giving a great amount of responsibility and trust. Uh, they know that you are a star rising. What you're looking for is someone not to embarrass you. You want security to know the customs, and that's what I do. I will be there. I am to be someone that does not take any focus away from you. This is your show. I'm just to make sure that no one stops it mid-act. Give me a charm roll. This is an easy roll, so just one purple is your difficulty. I just want to see, you've charmed her, but how much do you charm her? Three successes. Cerise had been looking at her data pad, at different files on her desk. Obviously, her mind is not completely on this interview, but as you start laying it on real thick, she just kind of stares at you and then keeps staring at you in a unprofessional manner. Um, yes, thank you. That's uh, very kind of you. Are you available to leave this evening? Uh, yes, I am. It's going. We're, we're going to be taking my ship, which of course has a good uh, hyperdrive, so it won't take us too long to get to Alderaan, but I want to make sure that we aren't late for any of the festivities in case there are any problems along the way. It's, it is Alderaan, but there's... Uh, well, we all know this is not a time of peace in the galaxy. Of course, of course. Uh, just to make sure, uh, you're not using a translator droid meeting all the other diplomats, are you? It's kind of a faux pas in Alderaan. So if you could find someone who knows languages, uh, that's usually... It, it's not bad to use a translator droid. That's just kind of... It shows that you go the extra mile if you have a, tra a human translator there. Oh. Oh, uh... Yes, I'll make sure that, uh, that 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 is added to our our our, our interview schedule. Yes, uh, thank you, thank you. Not a problem. I'm uh, I will be uh, at this address. Just send the information, and I'll meet you uh, wherever you need me. Uh, excellent, excellent. Thank you, thank you. I will see you. I will see you soon. So I got the job. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Good, good. And, and I shake her hand. It's uh, fantastic. I look forward to returning to Alderaan and uh, being there to keep you safe. Uh, y yes, uh, me as well. I mean, uh, honored is... I'll see you tonight. Yes, I stand up and I once again give a very formal bow and I walk out, a slight hint of a smile touching my lips, and I look towards uh, Laris. I nod my head towards her as I pass the other people who are sitting there who probably aren't as professional as I am. I'm moving towards the hotel that we said we are going to meet at, me and Laris, if she gets the job. She's not a great interviewer. You're a little nervous. Oh, I am a little bit nervous, but as I'm walking out, I'm tapping my ear and just mumbling. Uh, she's looking for a translator. Just push up the fact that you know many languages. Yes, sir. Breathe and just shake your hand. But use 25% of your grip power. Yes, sir. And I'm just going to nervously sit at the bar waiting with trepidation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your podchaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.